0: Today we are in week eight of our message series on the book of Colossians, and as we've looked through the first couple chapters, Paul Timothy have been um, reminding the church of Colossae of the true and pure message of the gospel, and and they wanted to just make sure that this church was clear about who they are in Christ. And so, as we we move into um, this week and move into chapter three, um, they kind of go on to show them that because of who they are in Christ, the way that they live their lives should now be different, right? So they're in Christ, and so now Paul's saying, okay hey, you're in Christ, now these are the, this is the way that you should live. And so we're gonna be looking at chapter three and we're gonna be looking at the whole chapter and I know it's a lot of scripture so I'm just gonna ask you to really um, focus in because there's so much meat um, in these verses and so we're gonna read it all together so if you want to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter three um, you can also follow along with us on the screen and let's read this together this morning So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world." Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him." In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all of the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. take a breath that's a lot of scripture Um, but man i can't wait to see what god wants to show us in these verses let's just pray together this morning holy spirit we just ask lord that you would show us some new things in your word today i pray that you would help me not to speak my own words but let me speak your word god I pray that you would open our ears to hear what you would have to say and open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today I want us to look at three things we now have because we are in Christ. Three things we have because we are in Christ. The first thing I want you to notice is we have a new address a new address verse one through four says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You know, it's a it's a really typical question to ask. Uh, maybe like, where are you from? Right? When you see somebody that that looks different, or they sound different, or they act differently um, than what you're used to, right? You're like, where where are you from? Right? And and um, maybe you've been to another country, or even another state, especially if it's not in the south. And somehow people just you know they recognize you, they spot you just like that, right? They they know you're not from there. Maybe it's they know your slow Texas drawl, or maybe your affinity for sweet tea, but somehow you stick out and people are able to spot you. You know, I remember going on missions trips to uh, many countries in Latin America. I've gotten to go to El Salvador, Nicaragua, Peru, even Mexico, and many times when we would be out uh, doing children's ministry, like out in the streets, and and the kids would just come up to you, and men, they get uh, like all up in your business, okay, because I don't know if you know this, but the, the personal space boundaries in other countries are not the same as they are here, okay? So, so these little kids are like crawling all over me, and they would just start to say, over and over, tus ojos, tus ojos, tus ojos. That means your eyes, your eyes your eyes because they had never seen anyone with blue eyes like mine, right? Like I stood out. They could tell that I wasn't from around there. They'd touch my face and touch my skin and, and they could tell that I was different. You see, our skin color, our accents, our habits, our attitudes, our perspectives, they all tell a story of where we're from. And I think that this parallels with our identity in Christ as well. You see, as far as Paul was concerned, the Colossians didn't just have one address, they now had two. They didn't just live in Colossae, they also now lived in Christ in Christ. You know, they may have been born and raised in Colossae. They may have blended into that culture perfectly because that's all they had ever known. Yet because they came to Christ, now everything has changed. They got a new address and they got a new way of life. You see, when we are living in Christ, the people around us should begin to notice a difference they should begin to notice there should be something that marks us as they're not from around these parts. Because we are in Christ, we've got to set our minds on things above. We think differently because we're in Christ. We can't live for this world. This is not our home. We've got a new address. So this applies to our motivations uh, and this applies to our priorities. You see, now that we are raised with Christ, our lives must be dominated by the things above. That's in your notes this morning, so I'm gonna say it again. Now that we are raised with Christ, our lives must be dominated by the things above. So in Christ, we've been given, uh, number one, a new address. And the second thing we've been given is a new wardrobe. How many of you ladies love a new wardrobe, right? I know I do. Some of the men too. I guess I won't be sexist. Um, (laughs) So, you know, in this world... Uh, that we live in, it's pretty typical to identify people by the clothes that they wear, right? You know, a businessman would probably be wearing a suit. Um, you'll see a nurse and, and they may be in scrubs or a policeman wears a uniform or even as busy moms, we have a uniform, right? Our, our leggings and our Lululemon crossbody and our Stanley cup, right? Or if you're uh, from the Grace Place, we like our awalas around here, right? They're our so we all have a uniform and often scr- um, scripture, in, in scripture, clothes are identified as attitudes or actions, okay? And so you can see this um, in the passage about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, where we're called to put on the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the shoes of peace. And so similarly here in this text, Paul uses this clothing analogy to describe actions and attitudes that a believer must take off, and that a believer must put on, right? So he's saying, like, there's some things, because you're in Christ, there's some things that you need to take off, and there's some things that you need to take on. Now, I want to make sure we keep things in context here. We do not take off or put on these attitudes in order to become a believer, okay? Right? We, we know how we do that, right? By putting our, our faith in Christ, but, but we do this because we are a believer, okay? Now, putting a firefighter suit is not going to make me a firefighter. Right? But if I am a firefighter, you better believe if I'm going into that burning building, I'm going to be wearing that suit. Okay? So, so you know, we've seen Paul share this message all throughout Colossians. He's been trying to help um, them understand their Christian identity. And that's, that's who they are because of what Jesus has done for them. And now he's kind of turning the page and giving us the other side of the coin. He wants them not only to know their Christian identity, he wants them to understand the Christian life. Lifestyle, And that's how they should live in light of what Christ has done. He's saying because that we are sons and daughters of Christ, this is how we should live. This is our new uniform. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the things that Paul says we need to take off as believers. In verses five and eight, it says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time Time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. What a list, right? And, and, and this isn't an exhaustive list. This isn't like all the sins. This is just kind of what Paul is focusing on right here. And so I want to kind of take a look at, at what, what the things on this list, um, entail. So he says sexual immorality. Well, well, this is open-ended and it covers all sexual activity outside of marriage. That would be sexual immorality. Um, impurity refers to all types of lustful thoughts, unclean talk, jokes, and actions. Lust, lust at its heart is selfishness. It's the opposite of love, which is self-giving. Lust is all about me, 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 my self-gratification. Evil desires, um, evil desires is is any moment, any desire when you um, place your own interest and your own concerns over and above anybody else, that would be an evil desire, Greed, Paul describes greed as idolatry. It's a failure to trust God as the provider for all we need. Anger is an irritable, ill-tempered attitude stemming from animosity and resulting in hatred. Rage is outbursts of uncontrollable anger. Malice is a desire to harm someone or to get back at them for what they have done. Slander is to speak against someone or to defame them or or to vilify another person. And in filthy language here, it refers to both obscene language and, and also slanderous speech or just talking bad about somebody else. You see, Paul is insisting that we take off all of these old clothes because they are simply incompatible with being a Christian, They don't belong together. We've got to get rid of these things in our lives. And so how do we do this? How how do we get rid of these things? I I think the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get brutally honest with ourselves. We've got to get self-aware. We've got to identify the things that we struggle with, okay? Because if you can't identify that you're struggling with it, you're never going to get over it, okay? And so we've got to see those stumbling blocks for what they are, and then we've got to stay far, far away from them. I know it sounds easy and it, it kind of is until you have to do it and then it's not. But, but that's what we've got to do. We've got to look inside ourselves, be honest with ourselves and go, what is it that is causing me to struggle? And then I've got to stay away from that. I have to avoid the situations that make it hard for me to be like Christ. I just got to avoid those situations. Now, now some of you might be going, but Krista, like there's some situations that, that I struggle with that are unavoidable. Maybe it's connected with family or a job or something like that. And I would tell you this. Well, if you can't avoid them, you better make sure you've got some friends around you to support you and to keep you accountable. Hear me today, though. Paul isn't telling us to get rid of these things out of legalism. We're we're not trying to be good enough on our own merits. We do this out of love for God. We do this because we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, it's simply a matter of being who we have been saved to be. I'm going to say it again. It's simply a matter of being who we have been saved to be. So, we talked about what we need to take off. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what he tells us we need to put on. In verses 12 through 14, it says, "Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord for Gave you so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You know, Paul makes no illusions that wearing this new wardrobe will be easy. It's gonna be hard, okay? Like, it's going to require an act of our will. Like, just like, um, you know, putting on physical clothes. When you go in the morning to your closet and you pick out your outfit and you put it on, you have to make that decision. Well, we've gotta wake up every single day and we've got to decide that we are going to put on compassion, we're going to put on kindness, put on humility, put on gentleness and forgiveness and patience. And, and these aren't just warm, fuzzy words. Like, this is hard stuff, right? This is hard. Think about it. Put on compassion, but what about the people that brought those problems on themselves? Do I still have to be compassionate? Put on kindness, but... But what if they're mean to me? Put on humility? Well, God, what if I'm actually the one who's right? Like, do I, do I still have to be humble? Like, I'm right. Put on gentleness? But what if they've been harsh with me? Patience? Oh, Lord, but I've been waiting so long already. <laughs> do I really have to put on forgiveness? Even if they're not sorry, even if they don't deserve it, love, even the ones that are hard to love, God, even the ones who don't love me back. See, these are hard things. It's not just all rainbows and unicorns and Hallmark movies. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And, And none of us will get it right all the time. But these virtues, they perfectly describe Jesus and the way he responded in his relationships. And because we are chosen by God and because we are in Christ, we must reflect those virtues as well. But remember this, apart from Christ, we can't do it. We can't do it apart from him. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can prayerfully remove our earthly clothes, you know, that flesh that wants to do things our own way. It's only by the power of his spirit that we can put on our from above clothes and we can live as a reflection of our Savior. So the last thing I want us to look at that we have because we are in Christ, so first we have a new address, we have a new um, wardrobe, and then number three this morning, we have a new community. In this last section of the text, Paul focuses on relationships that we have in Christ and and how we should live together in this new community. And so the first thing that he focuses on is our church community or the community of believers. Um, In verse 15 through 17, it says this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father." What we see here is that as a Christian community, we aren't shaped by rules, but we are shaped by a ruler. We're not shaped just by rules. We're shaped by a ruler. The the whole theme of Colossians is founded on this truth that Christ is greater. He is supreme. He is the king of kings. He is the ruler above all rulers. And his rule is unlike any other rule we've ever seen before. And his rule is a rule of peace. You know, peace in the church will never come naturally, okay? Like, conflict is inevitable when there's two or more people involved, right? If you get two or more people in a room, at some point in time, there's going to be conflict because we're all different. And the thing is, is that conflict is not inherently bad, but, but it's really about the way we handle that conflict. That's where things can get tricky, and the key that Paul seems to be giving to the body of Christ here is to let our hearts be ruled by the peace of Christ. And, and I don't think that he's just being like super spiritual and telling us like, before we have a conflict, we should go away and, and pray and get all peaceful and warm fuzzy. And then, then we should go walk and have our conflicts. Although it's not a bad idea for us to definitely pray before you go into a conflict. But, but I think it's actually deeper than that. I, I think he's saying that, that since the heart seems to be the source of all those passions and the lust and and all those conflicts in the world, they kind of all seem to stem right from the heart, right? So we better make sure that Christ is ruling there. We better make sure that Christ is in charge of our hearts. And the peace that Christ achieved on the cross to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to each other, that must be the deciding factor in any conflict, that peace of Christ has got to be the deciding factor. You know what, did you know that you don't always have to agree with someone to have peace with them? I know it's a novel concept. This world has become so opinionated and so polarized that that people act like there's only two options. You either either have to agree with me or you're the enemy. Those are the two things, agree or enemy. But you see, it is possible for us to disagree with someone and still have peace with them. It's possible to see someone post something on Facebook that you don't agree with, and you actually don't even have to respond. You can just keep on scrolling, keep on scrolling, and let that peace of Christ rule your hearts. You know, Paul goes on to show them what a church community should look like, and and he says that they should be so filled up with the message of Jesus that it overflows into all of their conversations, that they should encourage and teach each other what the Lord is speaking to them, and that they should sing songs of worship to express their thankfulness together as a group. How many of you think this is a pretty good guide for us to go by on how our church community should operate as well? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, the next community that Paul gives us um, some instruction for here is our family community. Our family community. Now, verse 18 and 21 says this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Now, before uh, we get started here, I kind of want to notice the tension that sometimes comes when you read these verses, right? And, and I think there's just a tension because um, some people look uh, at the idea of submission um, as a way of diminishing women and taking away their freedom. Um, but the interesting thing is that before the gospel came along, women were actually seen as property and they had very little rights of their own. But on the other hand, Jesus' view of women was countercultural and even revolutionary for the times. You know, Christ saw women as having a value that was equal to that of men. And, and we can see this in his respect and his love for women and all of his encounters with them. Um, we can even see him address women in public, which was unheard of at that time. And I think Paul follows um, in the footsteps of Jesus here and continues these practices of respecting women in his writings. He wrote things like Galatians three twenty eight, where he says, um, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, so the idea of submission here definitely doesn't mean inferiority in any way. You know, just like when Jesus submitted to God the Father, that didn't imply that he was inferior, right? Like like we know Jesus is equal to God, they are one. So so submission does not mean inferiority. In fact, submission is actually self-denial out of love for God and others. It is us willingly putting ourselves under someone, not being forced to submit, but choosing to. You know, when it comes to marriage, we believe that God has placed the responsibility of the spiritual and physical well-being of the family in the hands of the husband and the father. And he is responsible to God to make sure that they are taken care of and they're treated with the proper dignity and respect that should be afforded to a co-heir with Christ. You know, these verses are connected for a reason and and they really shouldn't be separated. Paul is talking to both men and women here and he's telling them, wives, submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly. When a husband loves his wife like Christ loves the church with a self-sacrificing love that is willing to do anything um, to see that she's cared for, uh, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, the choice for her to then submit will become so much easier. You know, the scripture goes on to tell us uh, children to obey their parents and fathers not to aggravate their children. And, and just like the verses of the husbands and the wives are connected and shouldn't be... Um, Separated, They should be looked together as a package. Well, well, these verses about parents and children, they should be looked as a package deal as well. You see, yes, children, you should obey your parents. Not just because it's biblical, but as someone with a little bit of experience, they're usually right. So you should, parents, you, you, children, you should obey your parents. All the, all the parents said amen, right? That you get really behind me on that one. But here's the thing, parents, we don't get off the hook here. (laughs) We don't get off the hook here. Paul goes on to say that fathers shouldn't aggravate and discourage their children. How would our family lives look differently if we took Paul's instructions seriously? How would our family lives look different? You know, parents, we've all failed at times. I don't know a single perfect parent. We've all failed at some times, but but one of the simplest and the most helpful tips I've ever been given as a parent is to be quick to apologize when we get it wrong. That will cover a multitude of wrongs, right? Be quick to apologize. So um, we talked about our church community, we talked about our family community, and quickly today, let's look at the last community that Paul gives um, instructions to, And, and I'm gonna call this our work community. It's verses 22 through 25, and actually chapter 4, verse 1, kind of is connected in that, so I'm going to read that as well. Um, In these verses, Paul is speaking to the relationship between slaves and masters. Now, in our current society, uh, the closest relationship we have to slaves and masters um, would be employers and employees. And so I think that Paul's instructions apply um, to us in that sense here, okay? So, So what I wanna do is like, what if we exchanged the words slave and master with boss and employee, okay? How different would our workplace be if we all lived like this? I'm gonna read it for you. It says this. Employees obey your earthly bosses in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the boss you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favorites. And bosses, be just and fair to your employees. Remember that you also have a boss in heaven. It's our job as employees to give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And as a boss, you've got to do everything you can to treat the people underneath you with fairness and dignity and respect. And for all of us, we've got to remember that ultimately, we answer to God, our creator and our boss in heaven, amen? So let's just wrap this up this morning. In Colossians 3, Paul reminds us that in Christ, we are made new, And because we are made new, we have a new address, we have a new wardrobe, and we have a new community.